episode of the Digital Download. I'm Kate Hamer. I run a marketing and digital consultancy, Kate Hamer Limited. I've worked in large brands like Unilever, Disney and L'Oreal for over 15 years and a decade of that in digital. I know how hard it can be to keep up to date with the fast-moving world of digital, so this podcast will hopefully help you by giving you a summary of the past week's news and I also discuss key topics in the industry. I am back. Firstly, let me apologise to any uh, regular listeners, if in fact I still have any, for my long absence. I became a victim of the very reason that I started doing this podcast. I was working on the launch of a new app with a client. I started working weekends. I was doing everybody else's stuff on my to-do list before mine. Then I got to a point where I thought, how can I possibly catch up with my summary of all the news that I've missed and kept not doing it for even longer. So I've snapped out of it. I'm starting again. I'm just looking at the news from the last week. Don't worry, this isn't going to be like a year's catch up. And I'm also going to be doing some more interviews over the coming weeks and talking about different events that I've been to as well. So hopefully you will find it useful. I really want this, as I always say, to be your podcast. So do tweet me at Kate Hamer LTD or email kate at katehamer.com with any feedback, questions or topics you'd like me to cover. So without further ado, let's get cracking, starting as always with social media and actually dark social and sharing on there. So dark social is obviously apps like WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, it might be Snapchat, it could be Twitter direct messages, it could be people emailing, but a study has been done which has shown that 87% of all shares are actually made through people copying and pasting direct from the address bar in your website. Now obviously if you're not tracking that you're going to have really inflated numbers in the analytics for your site looking like people are typing in your URL directly but they're not, they're going to be clicking on the link that someone sent them. So there is an article all about that on the companion page on katehamer.com. On to Facebook, there's quite a few things that are coming out or look like they're going to be coming out. So some new design elements you might have seen on the Facebook app that there's now a bell, a wonky bell. It does annoy me that it's not, I know they're trying to make it look like it's moving, but it is wonky in my opinion. But you've got that now for notifications instead of the globe. There's also been a few things that have been talked about on Twitter and I've embedded a couple of the tweets, but things like an up next option on videos when you're watching them, a private profile mode, which you can just share with your really close friends, a chat with friends feature on live video, so you can actually select some people to chat to about the video while you're watching it. New app recommendations feature, uh, an option to share fun facts about yourself on your profile. A voice assistant, it looks like, might be being introduced into the app. And photo search as well, so that might be around products that you're looking for or maybe locations. And also an ad activity tab, so you can click into there and see any ads that you've clicked on or ads that you've saved to revisit later. So that could be an interesting one for brands to be considering. 
and also an ads animator tool so you can select multiple images and animate them into a video. I've embedded an example of that on the companion page. So it looks like Facebook are certainly testing lots of new features. Whether they'll all end up being rolled out to everyone remains to be seen, but have a look at some of the examples of those on the companion page. They are also at Facebook launching Watch, which you might have read about. They've been talking about it for a while, so it's basically a platform for original episodic shows and it's going to be on mobile desktop and in the app so as with a lot of these things it's rolling out in the US first but it looks quite good you can create a watch list save episodes to watch for later Real Madrid have actually done an eight episode series called Hala Madrid. It's live now in the US on this watch platform but there is a Real Madrid show page globally which you can access. So the shows are narrated by Orlando Bloom. They've been filmed in partnership with GoPro and it's uh, just sort of 10 minute episodes giving you a real behind the scenes look at the club. There are three episodes out now on their page. I've embedded one of them into the companion page and there's a link to their show page there. And then each Saturday they'll release another one until they've released all eight. So have a look at that. And also on the companion page on katehamer.com there is a link, a tweet embedded by Matt Navarro which is just a really useful summary of all the video requirements for Facebook in terms of the sizes that you need and stuff so that might be useful for you. It is on the website. You may have also seen in the news this week that Facebook are once again at the centre of a bit of a scandal about figures so this time it's about their claimed reach so Ad News tested the ad tool in 12 countries and found that they're saying that they can reach higher numbers of various age demographics than actually exist in whole countries. So for example, in the US, they are saying they can reach 19.3 million more 20 to 29 year olds than exist in the US population. Now, Facebook is saying that the discrepancy is due to short-term visitors and people not being honest about their age, but 19.3 million seems a pretty big difference. Obviously, it's tricky because Facebook don't really have any sort of audit of their figures. It's all their native system that you book advertising through, so we have to rely on it to a certain extent, and you do only pay for the reach that you're getting. But in terms of trying to forecast ad campaigns and look at the potential reach that you can get just take it with a pinch of salt there's a link to the article showing the discrepancies by market on the companion page katehamer.com facebook mentions uh, which is an app for verified pages so that you can post simultaneously to facebook instagram um, learn more about your audience etc has updated their app and you can now moderate comments during live broadcasts so this is great if you're getting people saying stuff that you want to remove from the live broadcast or maybe you want to pin particular comments if they're really good so that has been um, updated in the app update this week on to facebook messenger they're testing a new tinder style feature it only uses your friends though, so unlike Tinder where you'd have strangers, it's just people that you're friends with and it will basically ask you both if you want to meet up and if you both say yes, then it will connect you. 
could be a nice way to get you to sort of revisit friends that you've maybe not spoken to for a while. I think I probably need to trim my friends list down a bit on Facebook if that's the case because there's some people I'm friends with that I would never meet up with these days that I went to school with or whatever but you both have to say yes in order to get connected anyway. Facebook stories. You might know that as the empty circles at the top of your newsfeed. That's certainly the case with me. No, None of my friends are using Facebook stories, although obviously Instagram stories are hugely popular. They're being used by 250 million people daily, but it just really doesn't seem to have caught on on Facebook. So what they seem to be doing is testing the option for people to double post. So if your Instagram and Facebook accounts are linked, when you go to post an Instagram story, you'll be asked if you want to put it onto Facebook as well. So that's starting to be seen by some people. I don't know if it will become a permanent feature or if they're just testing it at the moment, but look out for that as well. You might at least start to see some of the circles on your Facebook be slightly more populated. Speaking of Instagram stories, I've noticed that they're now promoting the Instagram stories further down my feed as well as just along the top of the page. So as I've scrolled through a few photos, it then will have the line of circles again saying don't miss out on these stories, watch them now. Also, there's been some reports on social of people seeing the option to add a photo from the last week rather than the last 24 hours to their stories. So when you go in, you've obviously got the option to take a picture there and then, or you've got the option to upload a photo from your camera roll. And some people are seeing that they can access photos from a week back rather than just 24 hours. Again, it might not roll out permanently, but it's definitely something that they're testing. I've also put a link on the companion page to an article which was about some of the Instagram team speaking at a, an event at New York Fashion Week recently where they were saying that the perfectly staged photos, the really high quality, super well shot images on Instagram aren't having the same impact as they used to have before because they've kind of become the norm and actually with the popularity of stories and the way people are liking behind the scenes and less polished images, uh, they actually seem to be working quite well on the main Instagram itself as well. So it takes the pressure off brands a bit. You can mix it up slightly. I would still advise, though, that you want an overall aesthetic for your account. Uh, you want it to be looking consistent if someone looks at your grid to decide whether to follow you or not. So I wouldn't have... A whole jumble of different images but certainly you don't have to have everything as perfectly placed as it perhaps has been in the past. Still staying within the Facebook stable just looking at WhatsApp not a huge amount to report here but it looks like they're doing a business pilot so there's been an update to some of the FAQs on their website which would imply that they may be going to start doing verification for businesses where they'd have a green tick to say that they are the actual business and also a yellow box would come up when you started to chat with them to show that they're a business. Not a huge amount of information about this at the moment. I have linked to the article on TechCrunch that mentions it on the companion page. But this could be really interesting from a customer service perspective for brands and also for CRM because obviously if you've got people's phone number that's probably going to be in your database. You can start to map that against purchase history or contacts that you've had with them before. 
so you could start to really offer a bespoke service to your customers. On to Snapchat. There may be life in Snapchat yet. I'm hoping so because I stupidly bought some shares in them. News seems to be doing quite well on there at the moment. NBC have done a daily Snapchat show called Stay Tuned. And in the first month, they've had over 29 million unique viewers. And they're finding that 40% of daily viewers are watching three days a week. And this is really important because they're actually reaching millennials and getting them to watch the news, whereas the average age of people watching news on cable in America is over 60. So reaching that young demographic seems to be working well for them. And as a result of that as well, they're now bringing in college newspapers into the discover section of snapchat so again they'll do some sort of revenue share with them on advertising although they've not disclosed what that share is but it's just populating snapchat with more news and giving another reason for people to go to it and use it there's also been a few mentions of snap maps this week so that was introduced a couple of months ago and basically you can enable it on your account so that friends can see where you are geographically there were quite a few privacy worries around it when it launched you do have to opt in for it so at least um, it's not just going to show where you are when you don't want it to from an individual perspective I also think there are risks um, in terms of opting in for it I think from a brand perspective it's quite interesting from an influencer perspective it could be good if they're at a brand event and they could uh, enable it and people can see that they're in your store or visiting a particular bar or restaurant or whatever it might be but there was an interesting article on wired.com this week showing how snap maps came into their own during the storms and hurricanes in the US because it meant that you were getting a true picture of what was happening so rather than waiting for the news to be getting updates you could be going from one person's video to the next and seeing live what was happening in different locations. Again I've posted a link to that article on the companion page. On to Twitter just a few little things. Night mode has now been enabled on desktop, so that's where you can turn the screen darker. So when you're looking at Twitter on your phone at night, you've been able to do that for a while and it's less of a strain on your eyes, but they've now introduced it to desktop as well. Not sure it's great to be encouraging people to be on their desktop late at night, but there you go. At least if you are, you're not gonna strain your eyes as badly. Twitter are also introducing new terms of service which come into effect from the 2nd of October and they really seem to have been wanting to make sure that you see them so whenever you log in it's telling you, they've also sent emails about it and some people have gone into a bit of a meltdown about this on social media because there are a few lines in there, there's one about intellectual property which has changed and people are thinking it's this big panic of change but actually Alex Hearn at The Guardian did a great thing where he put it through diffchecker.com and that highlights the differences. It seems actually that it is just updating the terms to make them relevant outside of the US so it's removed some of the US um, clauses and things that are in there that aren't relevant. It's also changed their address in Dublin because they have obviously moved offices so I've put a link to the Difference Checker and also a link to an article about it on the companion page. 
Twitter have also launched 360 degree video on mobile. So I've put a couple of examples. England football team got straight in on it and did a good 360 tunnel cam at one of their games last week. So I've put an example of that on the companion page. But basically you can tilt your phone and move it around on the video. The other one is a um, roller coaster ride and you can move it around and see all the sides off the roller coaster in the video. And then finally, from a Twitter perspective, you can now set up a team on TweetDeck. So it means that multiple people can have access to a Twitter account without having the password. And there's various levels of access within that as well, in terms of being able to tweet, being able to add more people, etc. There's a link to a support article from Twitter about that on the companion page. Google. So they released the top 10 how-to searches this week, so they are number one, how to tie a tie, then number two, how to kiss, number three, how to get pregnant, I feel like they've gone very quickly from how to kiss to how to get pregnant, I don't know if how to tie a tie was getting ready for the date that they needed to know how to kiss on or what, but there we go, how to lose weight, also logically follows the how to get pregnant, uh, how to draw, I guess that's when you've got the toddler and you need to teach them to draw. I, I think I'm going to run out soon of this analogy, although I don't know actually. How to make money, how to make pancakes, how to write a cover letter, how to make French toast and how to mm. lose belly fat. So they're the top 10. They've created a new website as well, howtofixatoilet.com and that's hyphenated how hyphen to hyphen fix hyphen a hyphen toilet.com and it basically shows global searches and then their relative sizes by country on everything from cooking to finding love to fixing toilets. So have a look at that. It's very interesting. I think in terms of searches, it's always worth looking at this sort of stuff as a brand to make sure that you are optimising your site in the right way. I think at brands, we can often get really involved in our products and look at more complicated things than we actually need to look at. I know when I was working in beauty, you know, we'd have elaborate campaigns about getting particular looks, but actually some of the biggest searches on YouTube are how to clean your makeup brushes and the people that get those videos right are the people that are going to get a lot of visits and exposure. So always be thinking simple, but check the website out. It's cool. It's quite interesting. Also at Google, following in the footsteps of Facebook and Apple, they've launched AR Core, which is their augmented reality platform. And that's going to bring AR capabilities to both existing and new Android phones as it gradually rolls out. And they're encouraging developers to experiment with it. They've, they're going to be developing prototype browsers as well for developers to test websites. I've embedded a video about it on the companion page, but that's definitely something that's worth considering now. Same with the AR kit on Apple, looking at how you can create some really interesting content and campaigns using AR. Speaking of Apple, they have their keynote this week on the 12th of September. I've added a link from the companion page if you want to add it to your calendar and be able to watch it live but I will talk about it in next week's podcast and there's quite a lot of leaks around about what might be announced in that. It seems that people are thinking that the new 10th anniversary iPhone will be called iPhone X. Um, not hugely imaginative but I imagine that that probably will be the case. Just a little bit around more general marketing and brands. So 
influencer marketing is obviously an area that people are talking about increasingly these days and there was an article in Marketing Week about a study by Rakuten Marketing about the murky world of influencer marketing because there is still a lot of uncertainty both about the return that brands are going to be able to get from that and also how influencers can calculate their fees. It is true that it is a bit of a, a wishy-washy world at the moment. There's not really clear ROIs and I do think there's a lot of people in that world that are trying to make a fast book, be that influencers or people representing influencers. But I do think that if you're clear on your brand objectives up front, so whether that is driving sales or maybe changing brand perceptions, and as long as you're choosing influencers or micro-influencers that have got similar values to your brand and objectives and genuinely like your product, then I do think there is a real opportunity to reach the right audience and to reach it in a way that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do as a brand. So I've put a link to the full article. I will cover influencer marketing in more detail in future podcasts and we'll maybe get some influencers on as well to talk to them about what they're looking for from brands. I've embedded a couple of tweets on the companion page at katehamer.com about um, a little girl, Hayley Dawson, who has a 3D printed hand and she wants to throw out the first pitch at every major league baseball park so she wants to get in the Guinness Book of Records and it's just lovely to see all the replies that are coming in from clubs there's a little video on there from the Bleacher Report showing what she's up to so in this world of horribleness at the moment I thought uh, that's a nice little uplifting example of the power of social media. In terms of brand activity Marmite launched a new campaign this weekend called Gene Project and it's basically where they are identifying whether people have the love it or hate it gene. It's a good bit of fun, a good extension of their love it or hate it campaigns that they've done in the past. You can basically send away for a tester kit to see whether you are a lover or a hater and there's a funny video embedded on the companion page about that as well. Bailey's, kudos to them. It's National Chocolate Milkshake Day on the 12th of September. Of course it is. I mean, everybody needs a National Chocolate Milkshake Day, right? I mean, is there one for every flavour of milkshake would be my only concern because we're surely going to run out of days. But it is uh, Chocolate Milkshake Day on the 12th of September and Bailey's have collaborated with Khalees so that she can show them what it is that brings all the boys to the yard so again I've put a link to the video of her doing that the milkshake actually sounds pretty nice and obviously uses Bailey's so if anybody makes it let me know let me know how it is and then just a couple of things on startup labs so News UK have announced that they are creating a startup lab they're going to take six small companies and host them in a month-long incubator program which starts in October and the program's open to any business that can leverage the publisher's journalism, data and expertise to develop new products and find new revenue streams. I've put a link about that on the companion page. And Arsenal have also created an innovation lab, so they're going to work with organisations to identify groundbreaking new fan experiences. So applications are still open for their 10-week programme. It closes on the 12th of October. And again, there's a link to arsenalinnovationlab.com on the companion page. So that's your news roundup for this week. 
if you just wanted a digest of the news then you can stop listening now but I'm just going to do a quick piece about moderating any kind of social campaigns that you run. While I've been off air, there have been a couple of examples in particular where brands have been caught out by creating a user-generated or user-interactive, I think would be a better word, campaign on social media that has gone wrong. So I wrote a blog about this recently and there's a link to that on the companion page. But my main advice would be in particularly in the UK, a country that named a boat, boat face and also voted for Brexit, let's be honest. We can't really trust the British public. And so Walkers did a campaign around the Champions League where people could submit a photo and Gary Lineker was then holding the picture of the photo in these videos. And of course, the British public hacked that by loading pictures of Jimmy Savile and various dictators and murderers. So that had to get taken down quickly. And then just a few weeks later, the National Lottery ran a campaign where you could get a message from your favourite athlete saying thank you for your support. And it was literally just pulling in the Twitter username of the person. So I can see why the National Lottery would think that would be okay but never ever just rely on some kind of automated robotic approval system because people were changing their usernames to all kinds of awful things about the Hillsborough disaster, about Maddie McCann, racist stuff, sexist stuff, and all of that was being pulled onto these boards held by athletes. Um, I watched it unfold over two or three hours before anybody from the National Lottery started to take things down. So it's really important if you're going to do any sort of campaign like that to think about how you're going to moderate it and what human element of moderation is going to be in there to check how people are circumventing any kind of automated moderation that you've got going. The other thing with it as well is I would question what value you're actually giving with those sort of campaigns. I'm not sure that people are that impressed by seeing their name on a card that they know the athlete never really saw and the athlete's just holding up a blank card and suddenly your name's there. I don't think it is the sort of thing that someone's going to think, oh, this is so cool, I'm going to share it with all my friends. So really think with any campaigns that you're doing, if there is an actual value to having that kind of interaction and if there is make sure that you have it nailed down so that people can't hack it in any way. So that is my whistle stop tour of the news and a little bit of advice in general about social campaigns. Hopefully that has all been useful for you. Do let me know by tweeting at LTD or emailing kate at katehamer.com. I will be back every week again from now on. We're back in the swing of things, so do let me know if there's anything specific that you want me to cover, and I will be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>